I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Groundbreakers, history makers. Hello and welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And to quote Taylor Swift and before her, Bananarama, it's a cruel Cruel, cruel summer. Today we will let the dissection and discourse begin. My name is Emma Race and I'm lucky to be joined by my football love and feminist folk. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, it is Lucy Race here. Hello, it's Rana Hussein here. Go Tigers, it's Tess Armstrong here. <laughs> well, you've had quite the weekend, my dear friends. Let's borrow from some notorious AFLW superfans, the Kardashians, and offer the pits <laughs> and peaks of round one. Lucy, do you want to go first? Absolutely. And in the interest of keeping you all guessing, my peak isn't going to be Melbourne, although that was wonderful. I was happy to see them chalk up a win. I really enjoyed watching the improved performances of a number of teams. I thought Geelong, the Gold Coast Suns and also the West Coast Eagles all just had fantastic first games. And I think a few of them will be feeling pretty sad that they weren't able to get the win. The Cats last year lost to North by about 60 points and to really only lose by eight points. And they were within was it two points at three-quarter time I thought that they played so well they were again really great in defense watching Georgie Presbarkas and Nina Morrison run around together was just fantastic and I'm really looking forward to that again next week when I watched the Suns Kalinda Howarth was awesome and it was great to see the number one draft pick Charlie Rowbottom have a great first really solid game and the Eagles Dockers game I know it blew out at the end but that was pretty close again like there was only two goals in it at three quarter time so I'm loving the improvement. So they were your peaks and don't think I didn't notice that there was more than one. <laughs> what were your peaks? I'm a bit greedy. Yeah it's so <laughs> selfish. Anyway go on. I just I'm not a huge fan of football being this early in January. I'm finding it really difficult to be trying to manage school holidays, summer holiday, family time and the competition that I love so much and want to give all my attention to. I want to hear yours, Em. All right, I'm going to go with my pits first because I think it's actually the story on everybody's pits and that is the injuries, but I'm going to hone in on one particularly and that is Izzy Huntington. ACL, broken leg ACL is not the three-peat that you want and I really fear that we're never going to find out just how wondrous the alternative universe could be where the footy gods let Izzy be Izzy and we get we get to be delighted by all of her gifts both on and off the field simultaneously. We have been waiting for the season of Izzy Huntington 
since the minute she was drafted, um, even before that, since she was in um, schoolgirl championships. And we just couldn't wait to see her, you know, just off the leash, headed into the AFLW season and she looks so fit. And in fact, if you watch back the game just before she goes down with her ACL on the weekend, she's just kicked a goal. She's never looked fitter. She's found her voice. She's such an important person to this competition. I really think that going forward, she has the potential to be the next Daisy Pierce in terms of how significant she is on the culture and the discourse and the leadership. I am absolutely gutted for her, but I'm gutted for the competition to lose Kate Lutkins and Izzy and Bree. I will stick a pin in this and I think this will be a melee topic so I won't say too much now but that absolutely is the pits. The peak for me was a really personal one but I know that um, it's going to sound parochial but so many Making the Call graduates debuted across different mastheads, websites, broadcast this weekend and I, I had a mother's pride in hearing so many voices we haven't heard before getting their moment and getting their megaphone but it wasn't just it wasn't just Making the Call graduates. I want to do a shout out to people like Jess Webster, who are also just picking their games, just getting so good. And just the sheer number of female voices that we're hearing from across this AFLW season, I am absolutely thrilled by it. And I just can't wait. That's kind of a whole other part of the competition that I just can't wait to see explode. Rana, what were your pits and what were your peaks? Look, my peak and pit are probably related in two sides of the same coin, really. I'm going to luxuriate in the outer for mine. And For me, it was probably the social media outer, which I feel like is where a lot of us are loving AFLW the most. And it was just so nice to see the sheer joy, just the outpouring of love for the competition itself. And everybody's so happy to have footy back. Uh, That was just so nice. My Twitter feed was just filled with lots of lovely tweets and stats and comments and people's photos and I just love that part of this competition and it feels like despite all the challenges it's the little competition that could you know and I know it's you know it's part of the AFL and it's not a little competition anymore but the spirit of it feels the same since day one if not better and bigger so it was so nice to have that back but the flip side of that for me was not being able to get to a game and seeing so many people feel reluctant to go to a game because of the virus and being unsure of what being in close crowds would feel like and watching it on the screen and and simultaneously being really happy to see the crowds but also really nervous and I didn't get to go to a game because I did have COVID and was recovering from that which has been another big thing for me in my personal life and for me the W is so much about the outer and being at a game more than the M I'm really happy to watch the M on the TV but I love going and watching these women play up close and it really bummed me out that A, I wasn't there for round one, but B, I don't know if I will be for the season or how much we'll get to be there. I think we're going to have to stick a pin in that conversation and come back to that as well, Rana, because as Lucy alluded to, the time of year is also hugely problematic and COVID overlay makes everything more difficult. So that will definitely be part of the conversation going forward. But I completely agree. The community online just gets richer every year and it feels almost like the first day back at school when you're high-fiving people that you haven't seen over the over the break. I just love the community. I feel like so many of the people that, that listen to this podcast, they pop up on the socials and we get to see lots of different opinions. We don't always agree. 
But, you know, you think about people when Collingwood get a win, even if it's over Carlton, I think, well, Andy's going to be wrapped with that. (laughs) (laughs) Teddy Armstrong, what were your pits and what were your peaks? Well, my pit's very similar to Rana. I was disappointed. I've been sick without the Rona and I am quite anxious about being exposed. And I also feel like the last two years, if you're a Victorian, I feel quite a lot of anxiety about being in a crowd at all. And I was disappointed. I was filled with this weird envy and mix of anxiety watching on Friday night. I I would drive to Mordor generally to watch my Tigers play (laughs) anywhere. I would fly home on an eagle, whatever. I would do anything (laughs) to watch those women play, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it on Friday night. And we'll talk about that a bit later. So I felt hugely envious about everyone singing the song together because I just wanted to be there sweaty, spitty, singing the song and I couldn't do it. But my peak was the use of they, them on primetime tally and the education that's come our way thanks to Tori Groves Little and Darcy Bessio. And I saw an Instagram post from a dear friend, Ace, saying how incredible this weekend was for them. And Ace is a longtime footy fan and said to me about AFLW, we've never had a place in AFL, but without fanfare or bother, there's a place for queers in footy. And that to me is the peak of this game every weekend forever. And it's so special. I just thought, gee whiz, the world is pretty stressful at the moment. And AFLW brings me the good stuff, like every like a little, like a little moment. So I know we're going to talk about the timing of this season later. And I have very mixed feelings about it because I don't think footy should be played in January, but I really need AFLW right now. It's making me happy. It's giving me a distraction. I'm thankful for that on the weekend, regardless of how I feel about summer sweaty footy football. Just floating ideas. I wonder whether if there was no AFLW competition, there is still a really important role that these players could play throughout the year. I wouldn't mind an AFLW goggle box that I could watch year round because I just want to be part of their lives. I want to see what the Antonios are having for dinner. Mm. I want to know what Darcy Mm. thinks of I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I want to hear from Zabs on, you know, how married life is going with Lil. I just I just want to check in with them all the time and I know it makes me a, a creepy <laughs> fan. <but> I genuinely <laughs> believe that they care about my life as much as I care about theirs. Oh, and on that, doesn't... I want to get to know all the new players that are coming through. Mm. So I think it's such a, an exciting time at the start of the season to see, you know, names that you might have just seen through the draft or on nav league games or whatever to finally see them out there and playing and now I want to know more and I want to get to know them all. Can I out you on something Lucy? It's (laughs) just the sweetest thing in the whole wide world. When Lucy and I were growing up our dad's sister our auntie auntie Leslie she was much you know she was in her almost 70s when when she passed away. Auntie Leslie had Down syndrome and had a very particular portion of interest in young talent team and young talent time and and, and aligned with our interest at that time as well. And I remember watching with her and whenever the performers would come on the stage, you'd hear her under her breath go, oh, Tina, Rena, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or, oh, Bobby Dreesen. You'd hear her just (laughs) checking in with them. And Lucy did that all weekend for every game. And it was the sweetest thing. It was like you were reintroducing yourself. It It was so sweet. I couldn't get enough of it. It's like you were just introducing (laughs) yourself, reintroducing yourself back to the players. It actually just warmed the cockles of my heart because we're always looking for Auntie Leslie in in every part of our life now that she's not here anymore. It's just this very sweet little salute. Anyway, she'd have loved that AFLW. Oh, she would have loved it. All right, are we ready to roll up a Press Barker's long sleeve and melee, ladies? 
Let's do it. (laughs) For sure. Okay. We've alluded to it, but season start time is a really, really interesting conversation to have at the moment because we're looking down the barrel of injuries. We will talk about that. There's been a lot of conversation, especially on the socials, about how hard the grounds are, about people playing in the height of summer, about how many practice matches were able to be had given that there was people working, there was Christmas, there was COVID overlay. Now we're also looking at issues of staff and player well-being when we think about the 24-hour-a-day, 12-months-a-year cycle of the AFL and the AFLW. I want to throw it open to you. Firstly, Tess, back in the day when the competition first started, we heard a lot of conversation about free air. Right now we're up against holidays, COVID, BBL, tennis, test. Does free air still factor into this conversation? No, not in my opinion. I I make this comparable to working in news. We used to say, you know, that there was a news a news time and a, and a summer break, but that doesn't really exist anymore. News in the world is it's twenty four seven. It's pretty it's pretty intense. And I will point out that at the moment, even if you had clear air from tennis, it hasn't ha- tennis hasn't started yet. I'm pretty sure we've talked about tennis a fair bit this week, and particular tennis players. It's pretty hard to get away from. I will also argue, what's the point of having clear air from tennis if you don't have clear air from the men's beep test, right, the pre-season beep test? And I really wanted to mention The W, which is a podcast on the ABC with Sam Lane and Shani Norder, and there was just an interview this week with Erin Phillips. And she spoke about the still having to come into the club only at 4 o'clock because the men are doing their pre-season in the day. I'm sorry, but these are premiership points. This is the season. I don't know where, I don't know how we're going to get around that, how we're going to get around this area of clean air, why then not put them on at exactly the same time. If you still have to share facilities and sneak around like Tomb Raider to get into the club when maybe, you know, a man might not be there. I mean, I just, I can't believe we're still having this conversation. Devil's Advocate says to me, this is the first time they'd ever tried to start it at this time. So it's probably too soon to tell whether or not this is working or not working. I just think forever, footy's a winter sport. We should be playing this in winter. I'm not going to play devil's advocate, but I am going to say that the challenge that players are going to have, and I listened to that amazing interview with Erin Phillips and the fact that she can't get access to the club until after four o'clock in the afternoon when, you know, she has been doing breakfast radio. She's a parent. She's got so many things on her plate to think that she gets put off until after four o'clock being as elite as she is seems absolutely mad. But until the players are fully professional and they don't, they're not required at other jobs, then after four o'clock seems like it's not going to change. I think what needs to happen, and Rana, this is something that you talk about all the time, is we need clubs purpose fit for two teams at all times. We can no longer stick a Band-Aid on this and hope for the very best because I do think this feeds into the fact that we have so many injuries because people aren't getting as much time. There would be players that could go to the club for for all day if they wanted or if they could. And so I think that we need to look at that. We need to look at how we're going to make sure that two teams can be using the club and using the facilities at all times whenever they need to, regardless of COVID. They need to be able to to house two teams. Rani, your consideration is also on the well-being of staff and players. How do you feel about the start time? Oh God, I hate this start time. I feel like even December I wasn't thrilled with. 
cricket has always been a summer sport, will always be a summer sport. It's This isn't anything new. I don't think that football is now trying to clash up against other sports. And I think the AFL has form here, you know, from a business point of view. I, I question whether this is deliberate in some regards to extend their product and their profile so that they own the entire year. And I think if it were genuinely an equity conversation, the women would be playing in winter and they would be playing longer seasons because it's better for their health and well-being and clubs would have to then fit out their resourcing for a women's side and a men's side and and that's that's when the game <laughs> the figurative game will change it frustrates me no end that as sports fans we're being asked to divide our attention now and it's not really serving anybody and I do wonder if they've considered fan fatigue too you know it's around one and I'm already very, feeling very stretched and stressed and it, and it should be a fun thing and I'm trying to be across everything but in terms of staff well-being especially you know these players have on and off seasons our women obviously work or our athletes obviously work and play the game but the staff are just now working round the clock year round not being paid more being expected to work weekends but during the week 24-hour news cycles to produce more and more content all the time it is exhausting and I will say this when the festival of footy happened in the M, um, when COVID was just a baby, the men reported that they loved that because they just got to play game after game and didn't really have to train. Training was kind of out of the picture and they just played every day. The women don't have that option and it just frustrates me. We can't serve this. I guess just to, to Tessa's point, we can't serve this league even six years in. I'm really interested to see what happens when pay equity is reached, which the AFL have put as a post now for them to reach. And so I'd love to see then what their plan is for AFLW when the pay is equal, if they still are playing in summer. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So when we talk about clean air or clear air, I wonder if that really is just for broadcast. If we look at the experience for the athletes before round one, it's not a lot different depending on when they start. The only difference here is that they've had Christmas thrown in the mix. So pre-Christmas, all of the teams only got to play one practice match. That's excluding two clubs, the Crows and GWS, whose match, their practice match was cancelled because of COVID. So they didn't even get a practice game. Then they had a 10-day break over Christmas. And then there was really just that, I think, a 7 to 12-day block for any training before the first game. So it's it's not like there was clear air 
for them. And and I wonder if that then leads into some of the injuries that unfortunately we do see in those first few rounds. It is so true. And I think you have to go back. This is a story that we've talked about before. Who is the competition for? Is it for broadcast or is it for athletes or is it for audience in the outer? And you know, what do we want to achieve? I think, I I don't know how you, I actually have no idea how you measure those things. Clearly broadcast is the money side of the equation and without the money and without the broadcast, does the competition go ahead? I don't even know. Like what's the deal with that? Tess, do you know the answer to that? I don't know the answer to that. It, it Look, it is a mess. I, I agree with Lucy. I think when we talk about Clearer, we talk about broadcasting. I will say over the weekend, um, we're going to talk about crowd numbers in a bit, but it flows into this, right? The BBL is having a similar situation where they had a double header, they only had 5,000 people there. But I watch the BBL every day. Every day the cricket is on in our house. Every single game of the football was on in my house over the weekend. And so exposure-wise to me, I saw much more of AFLW over the weekend than I would have if I had have gone to a game or gone to something else. And so really that that is a tick in the box of, you know, exposure in, in January where it's not competing with men's games. I don't have to split my tiger brain to, you know, watch multiple teams at once, all of that. This is coming purely from my own observations working in sport. So it's not hard and fast rules, but my guess is that Broadcast is where the money is. In the hierarchy of importance, if you think about AFLW as a business product, it's broadcast, it's sponsorship money. You know, what the AFLW serves as for the AFL is this values proposition that AFLW is positioned as this wholesome, inclusive product that symbolizes the inclusivity of the AFL in general. So, The AFL, all their comms, all their content leans so hard into inclusivity now. They've worked out that's what it represents. And so now as a product, they are marketing that for sponsors to get on board, to align themselves with those values because that's what sponsors want. They want to be aligned to something that then is going to represent them really well. So the AFL has worked that out. They're now marketing the W in that way. So you get campaigns that are woke, that are edgy, that are fun and interesting, youthful, that you don't quite, you get it differently in the end, but the AFLW has a very specific brand and that's so on purpose. And then the next rung down from a money point of view is participation. So driving growth of the game and women and girls um, in inverted commas are the next growth market or already are. So to me, as much as I would love it to be the equity conversation and maybe they're not mutually exclusive, I just see the dollar signs <laughs> racking up for the AFL and part of me loves that because there's an equity in that and part of me absolutely hates it because I want it to be the pure thing that I love. I feel like I really missed an opportunity to say if an AFLW game goes ahead and isn't broadcast <laughs> and there's no sponsors paying money, did it does it did a tree really did fall a tree in the forest? <laughs> All right, there was some major injuries that we need to talk about. Kate Lutkins, Bree Davy, Izzy Huntington, all knees. Grace Egan out with two broken ribs and a punctured lung, tried to do a dipper, tried to get up and keep playing. And Chloe Dalton with a shoulder, I'm sure there was many, many more. But these are injuries 
that are so enormous that I think they changed the landscape of this season, not just for the teams that, that these players play in. I think it changes the actual offering of the competition. And not just for this season, I will remind you that in less than 12 months' time, we'll head into season seven. These injuries are more than a 12-month proposition. This is an unbelievably terrible situation round one. But there was a great article, Lucy, in The Age that did quote Dr. Brooke Patterson, who we have spoken to and spoken about on so many occasions when we've been talking about ACLs. And she actually had, there were some great quotes in there from Izzy Huntington as well. Izzy saying, if we were full-time and had the same amount of time to spend on our bodies, it would be a completely different story. Was a quote from an earlier time. Lucy, what stood out to you about that article? So that point by Izzy about being a part-time athlete and how difficult it is, is something that Erin Phillips actually alluded to in that interview. She said she believes, and in her opinion, that it's very difficult as a part-time athlete to have your body conditioned in such a way that it can play elite sport and be protected from injuries. And look, I know that the AFL does have its prep to play program and that's rolled out from elite level and that's available all the way through to grassroots. But if you have limited touch points with your club during the season, if you're not full time, it's very difficult to to find that time to bring all of that prehab into, into your um, preparation. Some of the other points that were raised by Brooke Patterson, Dr. Brooke Patterson in that article in The Age that are really interesting is that there is a clear pattern of injuries at the start of a season. And some people call that an early season bias in injuries. That sometimes raises this whole question about other grounds too hard. And from everything that I've looked at, I can't see that there's data or evidence to support that it's actually the hardness of grounds. I'm wondering if it's a case of correlation rather than causation. But two of the other interesting things that Brooke said was, one, that there is starting to see a consistent mechanism of injury and that that tends to be not from jumping and landing, but it's more just in the running and chasing then deceleration. And I think we saw that in the injuries on the weekend. The other thing that she said, which is a really heartbreaking statistic, and I've heard this before, is that players who are under 25 who've previously had an ACL injury, they're more than 30% likely to rupture an ACL again in their first two years back. And that's really tough. That is so cruel, isn't it? In terms of hardness of the grounds, the grounds are Clegg tested, which is the scientific version of sticking the key in the pitch. I have it on good authority from people who are out there that the grounds are actually feeling really good and really cherry ripe, which actually in some ways, of course, that's fantastic, but it means that you can run faster on those grounds, which can also be part of the causation of these kinds of injuries. Tess? I just wanted to shout out to Julia Kira, our pod sister, who did a wonderful thread on Twitter during the weekend just about the way in which we talk about these injuries, that often it's like, you got this, girl, you've got this, you can do it. You know, we're all resilient, which is true. These athletes are incredible. And reading what Brie Davey had to say on Instagram, I think I could, I can't even deal with a nail bending back. You know, I can, <laughs> I'm out for a week, right? The fact that they're able to be so gracious so positive about about losing two years of their career. It's remarkable. But Julia was making the point of making it okay to feel very sad about this. And I, well, I mean, I'm leaning into that as a fan. I was devastated on the weekend. That is a healthy way for us to deal with things at the moment, not just in footy, to say, you know what, sometimes things are just bad and we're allowed to feel really sad about that. And we don't have to, you got this, this weekend. We can, we can just feel the feels. 
Rana? This conversation also reminds me of something else Julia talks about. Gosh, she's so wise. She talks often about the importance for coaches to understand the women's competition and the complexity of it. And we're seeing, you know, we saw Richmond, the run and carry, how fast they were. And we've heard just now, you know, how that can be contributing to more injuries. How much research and understanding do these coaches have as well in how they're instructing their teams to play? And it is just so crucial that they have that context now as coaches. Obviously, it's important always, but also to keep in mind that when the men are injured, they have the full club support and backing and resources to recover and recuperate while they're in contract. And clubs are definitely getting around these W athletes, but you know, there is still a limit to that. We know that their resources are limited with soft cap and all of that. So it's not the same conversation. And I'd love to know actually how much research the coaches do do in this regard. You mentioned Richmond's run and carry. I have to say the skill acquisition and the speed of this game and Richmond really personified that this weekend, I think, because we've seen such a, a heady improvement. They had a really great off season of, of getting a whole lot of new players come in and and the way that they've been able to string it together, we cannot go through a pod without mentioning Monconti's absolutely <laughs> blistering performance. I would also put up there Ebony Antonio and Turbo, who also set the competition on fire. But great to see Kate, Katie Brennan. Just, I feel like KB's in really fine form. Can I add in there Ash Riddell? Oh, oh. yes, of course you can. 35 disposals. My God. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. But Richmond's run and carry, there was a beautiful passage of play that I think took everyone's breath away. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't result in a goal, which I just feel Damn like. Those footy gods. That is footy gods, Tess. It was so exciting. You talked last week about footy open marriages and it was so funny because my other team, my my team on the side, I'll call them a Frio, and so I was delighted to see them back it up again. Kiara Bowers, even to share the medal, she won't she won't let anyone else have that derby medal. She's just going to share it with Ebony Antonio. Good on you. Um, but the Tigers were just so together as a team and mm-hmm. I just think this is a natural progression. We were new. We had a couple of stars. It's not necessarily about the stars being stars. Mom Conti, she's amazing, right? But Mom Conti is able to do those things, firstly because she has a full preseason and concentrates on footy, but that the rest of the team comes up to meet her as well. So everybody improving all together, getting that t- chemistry together. I've seen that style of play and I've seen it in the M, in mm-hmm. our M team. And so I, I loved that. That made me feel as that one club, one footy mentality that made me feel like that was true, that the systems might be working quite well together. I, God, I loved it. And Mon Conti just, just looks fit as a fiddle. She just that looks like she's got all the time in the world. Welcome, Beth Lynch. That was fantastic. She was amazing. Beck Miller, Harriet Cordner. The defa- it's not a Richmond podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry. This, oh, I just realised that was my notes from my Tigers pod. Which um, Rana, that was just later. our that was just our WhatsApp chat test. <laughs> If you'll allow me, just one more thing. I think we have to remember that Ryan Ferguson as well has had a full preseason now with this group and he's come straight from the M coaching department as well. So I am very excited about what the W will bring, but I am still concerned that we are translating those M coaching manoeuvres to the W and some of that will be great and exciting. I'm nervous about what else that might bring as well. I'm nervous about 50 metre free kicks (laughs) 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 in games where you may only kick three goals to give away 350s. I really struggled with 
there was a bit of discipline lacking for mine in, in my Carlton lineup, but also the rule about standing on the mark. I'd like to see more people run around mm, the person mm-hmm. on the mark. I'm, I'm hopeful that players fully understand this rule, but I'm curious that in the moment of gameplay, whether or not that's fully sinking in, because I haven't seen too many people take advantage of it. I have seen people getting pinged for it. I think, again, that comes down to, you know, not having a number of practice matches and how much can you do in match simulation? I think Mm. it's just different when you get out playing game for reals. And aside from the rules this weekend, I just loved flicking around and just these unexpected close contests. Like Lucy mentioned earlier, Geelong and North, just just seeing what teams are going to bring in 2022 is so exciting. And I felt the same about GWS and Gold Coast. Gold Coast looked like they were having so much fun and JWS is so consistent and I really didn't know which way that was going to go and I think that spoke so well uh, for the season ahead. Adelaide looked really ready to make a point and they just looked absolutely fantastic and so good for them as well coming back in and just making a statement early. Same with Collingwood and the Ds. I thought, right, those two teams have been bridesmaids, you know, for the last couple of years and here they go. They really want to make it mm. their own and so who knows what will happen but Gee, it looks good. GWS and my piece on the side, which I know is greedy because Carlton's already my other open marriage relationship. Yeah. Next but year I is realized- going to be interesting for you. <laughs> it's going to be a reality TV show. Now, it would be remiss of us not to do a, a quick conversation about something that's been the biggest story of the week, definitely in sport, but also around the world. Given our MO is the power of sport to agitate for equality and highlight human rights, Novak Djokovic has obviously been in the news a lot this week. Lucy, you work on a board for refugees and it is one of the things that gets you out of bed in the morning, the plight of refugees. How much will this Novak Djokovic story, how much do you hope it will bring attention to what's happening here in Melbourne for a whole lot of other people? Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. I really hope that it will. And I did hear some people this week say, well, I was following the Djokovic story and I just found out that there were people imprisoned in that hotel. I find that a bit gobsmacking, but I also, I welcome that. And so so my my great hope is that this situation will shine a light, not just for Australia, but globally on our system of privatised mandatory indefinite detention. We have about 300 people who are currently locked up under that situation, about 30 in the Park Hotel. There's about 200 still being held on Manus and Nauru and about another 70 in um, detention centres around the country. It breaks your heart, every single situation. I think there's been a lot of attention for the Biloela family and there's probably less focus on what's happening to mostly to the men who are mostly still in offshore detention in, in some of these hotels. The situation at the Park Hotel is pretty dire. There's been COVID outbreaks, there's been fires there hasn't necessarily been easy access for healthcare. The thing that really breaks my heart is for those people that are locked up, that they don't get to go outside. They don't have an outdoor area. And I can't imagine what it's like to be approaching your ninth year of detention and to not be able to breathe fresh air. So I really hope that this situation will shine a light on these policies. I haven't seen that Novak Djokovic has decided to use his voice to talk about this situation. I would welcome it if he did. I would encourage everybody to follow Craig Foster, who does an incredible job of trying to to use his platform in sport to shine a light on these issues. And he's much more eloquent than I can ever be. But 
I will never forget, you know, there are so many individuals. This this week we've heard a lot from Mehdi, who has just turned 24. He came as a refugee. He has been found to be a refugee. He came to the country when he was 15 and has been locked up ever since. That breaks my heart and I I just hope that, that this changes. Lee. I don't know. That was pretty eloquent to me. Is there something that in the work that you do, you know, if there's one thing that you want us to do or people listening to do, what would that be? If we think about trying to change the system, I would encourage people to contact your MPs and to contact the people who also want you to vote for them because at the moment this is an issue across both major parties. There's no real difference between policies for the two major parties and I truly believe the only way that we're going to get meaningful change is if one of those parties decides to to change their policies. Keep the pressure on, write letters, ring people. When people ring you and say, who are you voting for? Tell them that this is important to you. That's, that's I think, the, the most important thing. And to, to talk to other people in your circle of influence so that it's very easy to, in a time when there are so many things competing for our attention in terms of, you know, COVID and climate, this isn't a happy story. This is not an easy thing to dig into, but it's able to happen because we all let it happen and mm. we're all prepared to accept it. And I think, you know, use your voice. I'm Melissa Hickey and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. It's probably time for us to get to final business. I just want to flag that there are changes happening for people who are trying to get tickets and to keep an eye on the fixture because it is ever evolving and ever moving. But we hope that you have all enjoyed the footy and that if you are feeling like you can get along, to get along safely. And I did really appreciate uh, seeing on the broadcast this week some messages saying if you are coming to the game, only come if you are well, if you are not displaying symptoms, mask up, come if you're vaccinated and make sure that that the people in your life who are not vaccinated are, are safe to come along to the game too. And I really appreciated that as a public health message on commercial channels. I think that what we can keep doing is making noise and, and making sure that the community of footy knows that we're there to, su- to support the players. And I think they understand that along the way. Was there any other final business, Rana or Tess? Uh, I just wanted to shout out our very own Nicole Hayes for her article in The Guardian to kick off the season. And Nicole and I will be sharing a column, so we'll be writing one each week um, about the W and we'll be covering it aside from on this pod in The Guardian. So stay tuned for that. Lucky, lucky us. (laughs) (laughs) Tess, anything from you? Eyes on the footy. If you can get there safely, go. It'll be a week. I can't wait to get back in the outer with a baby strapped to my tummy and show him some of the legends of the game. And so hopefully I get there in the next couple of weeks. But until then, let's just watch those people doing what they do the best and enjoy it. It's bringing me joy. It's making me happy. And just no more injuries. I'm done with them. Mari Kondo would definitely keep the AFLW. There is only one thing left to say, my dear friends, and that is... Go Go footy! Go footy!